If you listen to this podcast and follow what we do at Troutbitten, then you're a thoughtful angler, and you don't accept the status quo simply because that's how it's always been done. Squall of Fishing designs and creates fly fishing apparel with this same philosophy. Squalla was started by a group of lifelong fly anglers who spent their careers working for some of the biggest names in the outdoor industry, and they understood that essential fly fishing apparel like waders, jackets, sun gear, and insulation could simply be better. So now, Squalla makes gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squallafishing.com. Water is essential for life, but for Orvis, it's the blood of the brand. Orvis has been the leader in fly fishing since 1856. No other brand can match the explorative and innovative spirit they bring to the water today. Everything at Orvis is about inspiring and empowering adventure and wonder in nature. Rooted in the vitality of fly fishing, fueled by passion and curiosity for the outdoors, Orvis designs and develops products and experiences providing the knowledge and expertise to enable more meaningful moments and connections in nature. With over a century and a half of experience in the field and on the water, Orvis seeks to ignite that passion in others. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Yeah, Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. It's about trout. Wild trout. This is Trout Bitten. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Dominic Swintoski, the owner of Trout Bitten and the author of TroutBitten.com. The allure of night fishing arises from a mystery. We pursue unknowable things into the darkness and sort through the unpredictable behaviors of trout to catch them after the sun goes down. There are no experts in the night game, and that itself is what secures the puzzle, a simple lack of information. There is no treasure map after dark. In large part, we fish because of what might happen. While night fishing, we begin to realize that anything can happen. The best night anglers harbor a deep humility that black water and shadowed trout have forced upon them. Night fishing is full of failure, and any effort to spin it otherwise is foolish and transparent. Most often, it takes an angler who cares more about the journey, about discovery and learning, than tangible results. Because night fishing beats down even the most ambitious among us. The empty net grinds on you. The bleak loneliness takes a toll. It's the anticipation, the anxiety. You're left exhausted from constantly pushing a natural fear of the dark to the back of your mind. The late hours and early mornings make you feel thin because the rest of your life doesn't wait for you to catch up. Night fishing trips are the only time I drink coffee after 9 o'clock p.m. The truth is, there are so few dedicated night anglers out there that good first-hand information is scarce. Second-hand information and hearsay, however, is rampant. Mousing, big black streamers, new moon, low water, and the tailouts, these are the often repeated expressions and tactics that are supposed to work. But do they? Well, sure, sometimes. Night fishing for trout is accompanied by legend. Tall tales are easily masked in shadow. 
and the truth is dimmed once the sun sets over the horizon. Some say night fishers are a secretive bunch, accounting that for the lack of good information. I argue that the dearth of usable information is a simple result of no one else being out there. And those of us who do night fish frequently are skunked often enough to keep us shrugging our shoulders. So what I just read there are the introductory paragraphs for the Night Fishing for Trout series on Troutbitten. It's an article titled People, Places, and Things. And it's the first installment in an ongoing series covering some of what I've learned about trout after dark. But I'm careful with that word, learned, there. Sure, I've come a long way in the 15 years or so that I've spent night fishing. And time on the water has taught me things both by fishing the net and through repeated failure. I've gone through periods of time where I dedicated a few years to night fishing as my primary motivation. Fishing after dark at least once a week, even through the winter months. And spending a lot more than that under the dark summer sky. What I've learned is often very different than the stuff that's supposed to work. And then again, some of it matches up pretty well. And then after over a decade of night fishing as a solitary endeavor, I met my friends Josh and Trevor, who are here with me tonight. These guys somehow found that same rare drive to search and discover after dark. And it's more than just a passing fad for them, too. They've dug deeper into the shadows than anyone else that I've met. And I learn from them. They are my trusted fishing friends. Their experience becomes my own. Their reports, their observations are nearly as valuable as having my own boots in the water. These guys night fish, and they fish hard. And tonight, the goal is to provide an overview, just some kind of path down that lonely, dark, but wonderfully mysterious road that is night fishing. So, here's Josh Darling. Josh owns Wilds Media, and he's the man behind the Trout Pit and YouTube videos that we've been putting together. I'm glad to be working with Josh, and glad to call him a night fishing friend. How you doing, Josh? Real good, Dom. Yeah. You ready for some uh, night fishing exploration? Yeah, I always learn something when we all talk here like this. Well, now you have to tell everybody everything you know. That's right. Got to share all the secrets here. It's okay, because can, we can reveal all the secrets and nobody's going to put them to use anyway, because almost, <laughs> almost nobody goes out there. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there are secrets. Hmm. All right, so here's Trevor Smith. Uh, Trevor is a physician and probably, probably the smartest person I know. I just wanted Maybe. to give you that. It's true. (laughs) Say clever things once in a while. Hmm. Now, Trevor's full of good ideas on the river, and he has the drive to follow through with them. Trevor, what's going on, man? I'm good. I'm in summer mode. Every night is a night to catch up on sleep for the next night out. (laughs) That's the thing, right? Like you guys do. What's your kind of start of night fishing season where you really get after it? Probably Probably June. Yeah, end of May, beginning of June. Mm -hmm. We're trying to push the boundaries on both ends as much as we can and try to learn more and more, but when yeah. you guys st- said that you were going to fish through the winter, I was like, "Oh, that's awesome!" Somebody else, you know, again, like more data. I was definitely mm-hmm. excited about that. And I, you know, you asked me how it was, and I, I almost hated to say, like, eh, "It's really slow in the winter," yeah. but you know, I didn't want to discourage it. And sure, I think that's what we all love is the idea that there is something to figure out. I do think, I, th- I do think there's something there to something figure there. out. Yeah, there's something they're going they're I eating. Agree. I still think yeah. they're eating in the winter. They have to night. eat. Yeah. And we we catch the occasional trout in the winter, right? But boy, yeah, not like sure. it is here in the summer. Mm-hmm. So you've been kind of getting after it for a few weeks now, right, guys? Yeah. Kind of jumping back into the same schedule as last summer, essentially. I know your schedule, we, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think everybody else does, because I think on our last, when we talked about the mouse emerger concept, our, right. our only other night fishing podcast, we yeah. mentioned that we've been fishing on Thursday nights. 
Yeah. We even got a, Trevor and I both got a message this week from a guy who was out on Thursday night and knew that he and I, that Trevor and I fish on Thursday right? nights in the summer. He was like, hey, was that you guys? And we're like, nope, it wasn't. Hmm. Wish it was. But <laughs> oh, yeah, I wish yeah. it was me yeah. too. It's really yeah. difficult for me to guide and then night fish, you know, that, yeah. that day and then That's guide the next day. That's hard to turn around. Yeah, yeah, but whatever. I'll get back to it. My guide yeah. season is over soon for the for sure. uh, spring, summer season. Yeah, I'm good. I'll be, I'll be out there soon. Trevor's off to a hot start. He's, he's two Are whiskeys in. Yeah. 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 20 inches. That's a whiskey. That's Boom. a trout bitten uh, term for 20 incher. I think it's luck of the draw to some extent. Good, good pictures too. Yeah. Good pictures. Yeah. <laughs> good Although, pictures. Is that a humble brag? Well, no. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Actually, like, I, I think that might be tongue in cheek too. Cause I can't, I can't hold a fish right now. I, I remember this happening our first night season. Yeah. That I just like struggled holding these bigger fish or like doing it naturally. Because uh, they're active, you mean? They want to jump out of your hands? active, yeah, and I think, yeah. yeah, they're active, and uh, like, they're I don't spunky, know. yeah. Yeah, they're, they're spunky, spunky, and then, um, yeah, maybe that's it. Well, let's blame it on that. That's great. That's it. It's gonna <laughs> that be... gives me a good out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had, a, you had a weird one, too. That, that last one that you caught was a real big female, and yeah. she had a full stomach, and it was oh actually gosh. really difficult to balance. Like Very crayfish. Honestly difficult, yeah. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised if she had an entire crayfish. It was hard, so there was yeah, definitely right. a crayfish or a, turtle, a small turtle or something. Mm, wow, um, never thought but of that. But it was, she was loaded with something. Well, you said spunky. Yeah, plenty of the knife fish that I land, we, we land them fast. We might no, talk yeah. about that, you know? Yeah. yeah. We try to get them in real fast or else crazy things happen. And, um, yeah. you know, we're using much heavier tippet and all that. <laughs> we yeah. don't even call it tippet. Anyway, yeah. um, they're in the net, bam. And uh, they're kind of surprised and we're kind of surprised. And if you're trying to take a picture sometimes, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. They've got some energy left, which is good. But, yeah, absolutely. And we fight yeah. them fast during the day, but we're talking about really fast. Real fast, yeah. We'll get into that sure. with the, the line that we're using. Yeah, right on. So maybe yeah. we should move right into it, guys. You ready? Let's do it. All right, so let's do it. An introduction to night fishing for trout. Uh, in, in the beginning of this podcast episode here, I mentioned the Night Fishing for Trout series on the Trout Bitten website. Uh, combine that dedicated series uh, with the other articles I've written on the subject, and there are 30 to 40, somewhere in there, night fishing pieces for you to read. There is also a full podcast on the mouse emerger concept from season one. Uh, it was episode three, and Josh and Trevor and I had a good time detailing one of our most productive tactics for catching big trout at night. The point is, this podcast will add to that bank of knowledge. We will add to that resource. I, uh, I don't do much intro-level stuff on Trout Bitten uh, because I feel like that's been done, perhaps overdone, everywhere else. And Trout Bitten is about going further, fishing harder, and wanting more. But, but the night game cupboard is practically bare, right? The encyclopedia of knowledge out there is hardly past the first volume, really. Because so few people night fish, and even fewer share good information about it. I think it's fair to start with a podcast episode like this one. So for the next hour or so, we'll run through some of the most important details about night fishing for trout. This is meant to be a primer. This is not in-depth, really. Again, though, the, the deep supporting articles are there for you on the Trout Bitten website. And in future seasons of this Trout Bitten podcast, I'm sure we'll do a tactical series of many episodes long that breaks each of these components down into finer detail. Definitely looking forward to that. So tonight, we'll broadly cover the topics of motivation, places and planning, 
Moonlight, starlight, and city light. Headlights, flashlights, and glow-in-the-dark stuff. The tactics of drifting and swinging. Water types, fly types, big trout and finding the right locations. Fighting fear, which is a good one. Uh, Accepting the mystery. And then the rods and the lines. I think we'll kind of run down through these pretty quickly because this can't be a four-hour-long podcast, right? Right. So that's our challenge. You think we can do it? I do. I do. I do. And I like the breadth of coverage. I think even if it is not in depth on every point, I think it's an important set of things to go over. Yeah. And I know that when I started night fishing, if I could have heard something like I think we'll do right here, oh, I'd have been pretty excited about it. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, and I'd have I said, oh, okay, there you go. I got some kind of path. Maybe I'll try this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So motivation, right? Start with that. Why do we night fish? Anybody? I think the mystery you mentioned, I honestly, I love yeah. the intro you kind of read through there because I think I've never read something that so well captures kind of some of the reasons why I night fish, but that mixture of fear and excitement and yeah. the unknown and yet the possibility of something yeah. that's pretty special is, is part of it for me. Right on. Same here. Mm-hmm. I definitely think we did. We talked about this in the last podcast, but maybe right. some people haven't heard that. And so a big part of it is just we free time, man. We've talked about that a yep. lot. It's just, it's, it's time that you don't have to be spending on anything else. Like you're not yep. going to feel guilty because you're not working in the middle of the night. You might right. regret it the next morning when you don't have sleep, but that's right. a huge reason, especially with mm. young kids. We all have kids. Mm-hmm. Nighttime's right. free. Yeah. As long as you can manage yeah. to get through it the next day. Yeah, that's a big deal. And really, uh, you guys have gone through it. Same thing with me. When I started having kids is when I really started to go, all right, I'm going to figure this out. Yep. Like you say, it's free time. And the only cost is being tired the next day. But when you're younger, you go, oh, so what? You know? Right. And I can still say, so what? I don't care. Um, that's right. I would bring this up. I don't necessarily night fish just because I want to catch big trout. Because, man, right. it's not easy. I think if big trout are your motivation... Quite honestly, I think you have a better shot during the day. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, if, we sometimes, spend, if we logged as many hours at, right. in the day as we do at night, I think you're right. I think there's a chance you're right. I think that's a good point. Yeah. To get to the point where you are catching bigger trout at night it takes a long time. And the things we're yeah. going to talk about, oh, all of, the th- all of the elements we're about to talk about uh, kind of need to be in place. And you have yep. to spend some time out there before I think you do start to catch anything of size consistently. But that said, catching big trout is part of my motivation. No doubt about it. When I first started night fishing, I was just trying to catch a fish. Literally, a fish. I didn't really care. I just wanted to learn something about being out there after dark and how you even go about this. And then eventually I was able to take some of those things I was starting to learn over to where I did think there were bigger trout, but I I might not catch many, but I thought that there were bigger trout. And then... It took a long time to start to get into those bigger ones. I think sharing an adventure with a buddy is also pretty fun for me. Uh, my personality yeah. lends itself well to that. And so the fact that for me and Josh both, it works so well to fish at night because of our families, yeah. it kind of naturally led into us enjoying that time together and you know, really allowing even for some more documentation of our nighttime fishing because Mm. of the ability to take photos with each other and then also to document like the conditions around our success at night and to talk them through with each other. Mm -hmm. I think that's been a really valuable 
piece of our fishing. Yeah, I definitely think we we flattened up the learning curve a little bit just because we had both fished at night before fishing with each other, probably yeah, a, yeah. a good bit. But we started making some pretty serious progress when we started fishing together because we were just doubling the information. And we would intentionally go out there and fish two separate, you know, styles at a time. Sure. Until sure. we found something, hey, this is yeah. working tonight. Try with this. With your walkie-talkies. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we do, yeah. That's we do carry walkie-talkies. Yeah. And <laughs> to this kidding. day, like... Call it whatever you want. <laughs> just kidding. We keep radioing in with each other and almost making that. sure that we're doing something different. Um, yeah. yeah. If we're not catching fish. But That's if we ca- cool. start catching fish, we'll zero in on it and usually double our success. Catch so many fish. And so many. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy. It's so easy. Yeah. Yeah. I also have this just competitive side of me that I love knowing that I'm doing something that other people might not be willing to do. Right. To get to Same. the next yeah. level in, yeah. in, you know, in fishing. And so yeah. the, the whole night game is extremely appealing because I'm like, not very many people are going to be up right now and willing to not sleep at yeah. all yes. for the sake of learning this. And I like that challenge within myself. It's so easy, you know, at nine o'clock when you want to leave the house. <laughs> it's so easy right. to go, eh, I'll just, I'll get to right. sleep now and I'll go, I'll go morning fishing. I'll get up at dawn. That's, you know, that's, that's right, more right. in my regular routine. It's so yeah. easy to say that. It definitely it takes an effort and it's not even a competition necessarily with other people. It's kind of, like you say, Josh, it's, uh, it's hard to do. So that's why I like mm-hmm. it. And it is that mystery, like you said, Trevor. Yeah. That for me, I think is the biggest deal. There are so many unanswered questions. I could live twice as long as I could ever live. And and I'm not going to get close to figuring it out. Yeah. And I love that all of those answers are still wide open. There's just nobody really knows what's going on out there. Hardly yeah. <laughs> hardly anybody has any good information. Yeah. yeah. When you're talking about fishing with buddies, though, I mean, you, you, you are the only two that I know that have really found, well, found each other as good night fishing friends. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know me, I'd rather fish by myself. That's kind of true. Even at night, sure. I love that extra, there's something, we'll talk about the fear. There's something about being alone at night <laughs> that just does it for me. But until I uh, got to be friends with you guys, I never had those night fishing buddies. I definitely wanted to have them. And I tried to recruit some of them. Sure. Grobe <laughs> wouldn't even night fish with me much when he was back here. But no, yeah. I think it's pretty rare. And I talk to a lot of people, you know, while I'm guiding, we'll talk about night fishing because they've read some of the articles and they're, most people are interested, but I think most people certainly wish that they had somebody like you guys have that'll be on that same schedule that really will commit to it and do it and not say, Hey, I can't go tonight, you know, <laughs> week after week. Hmm. Yeah. I think it has helped that we're good friends outside of night fishing. Yeah. Um, but I also think that in both of us, there is a drive to catch fish at night that's that keeps us hungry and maybe there's a bit of that competitiveness too. Mine's maybe a little bit different or maybe self I'm more self competitive maybe. Um, Mm -hmm. but that I appreciate that Josh has that because (laughs) then as long as I keep catching more fish than him, I know he'll still go out with me (laughs) because he wants to prove it, prove that he can catch more than I can like he did last year. (laughs) See, you got a little, Got a little stab in there. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. But I know I have a night fishing buddy as long as I keep out fishing him. I like That's it. Right. You've backed it up this year. <laughs> yeah. So far. It's early. It's early. So far. It's early. It is early. It's, it's early. basically yeah, preseason. Have... It's preseason. It yeah, it's, Thank it's you. Pre-season. Thank you, Dom. Spring ball. Those, 
Preseason <laughs> trips don't matter. Stats wise. Oh, that's right. Imagine if someone put as much time, thought, and effort into designing fishing apparel as you put into finding fish. Well, someone did. Squala Fly Fishing builds waders, jackets, shirts, and pants so well designed, dependable, and comfortable, you hardly notice them. When you're wearing Squala, you're never hot or wet or unreasonably cold, so you can focus on more important things like fishing. They don't make gear for everybody. They make gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squalafishing.com. Then use the code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your first order from Squala. For over a decade, Smith Creek has provided innovative, high-quality angling solutions designed to put your gear in easy reach, free up your hands, and keep our waters clean. Smith Creek's award-winning rod clip attaches to your vest and grips a variety of rod sizes, freeing up your hands to tie a fly, change a hook, or release your catch. All Smith Creek products are built guide tough, using high-quality materials like anodized, marine-grade aluminum, and UV-resistant nylon. For a limited time, Troutbitten customers can save 10% off select Smith Creek products like rod clips, rod racks, and net holsters. Just visit the Smith Creek official store on Amazon.com and apply the discount code 10SmithCreek at checkout. That's the number 10, followed by Smith Creek. Hey, what about places? You know, uh, do you just mm. fish the same rivers as you do during the day? What's your advice, guys? I think every single place that I would fish in the day is an opportunity to mm-hmm. night fish. And yep. I, think, uh, I think it's more about the places within those places that maybe catch our eye in the mm. daytime as a spot to revisit at night. Nice. So I, I, brown trout are nocturnal feeders. And so in any stream that we're catching brown trout in the daytime, there's an opportunity at night. Mm. Now you just brought up something that we probably should have mentioned even. What we are talking about is fishing mostly for brown trout. Uh, we're mm. wading rivers. And yeah. none of these rivers around here and the places that we fish are all, none of them are huge rivers. Um, mm-hmm. What are the top flows? Maybe five, 600 CFS, even when they're sure. kind of high. Yeah. That's the kind of fishing we're talking about. And yes, we've, yeah. we've done night floats and things like that. Um, sure, other species at times. We're talking about fishing browns in the small to medium or kind of large rivers. Yeah. yeah. I think that likely a lot of a lot of what we're talking about would carry over well. It's just a matter of knowing your river well enough to how you need to get around it. There you go. Yeah. I love what you said there, Trevor, about uh, seeing those places during the day. I'll be fishing and I go, ooh, that'd be a nice piece of night water. Yeah. You know? Yep. And then so what I'll do, and I used to do this when I was really getting into night fishing, I'd be fishing in the day. And Tell I'd me say, you take Anna. a picture. Yeah, right? You <laughs> yes. do that, don't you? Yeah, right? absolutely. Right. Yeah. Do we all do that then? Yeah. Tell us. Tell me, Josh. What what do you do? No, yeah. So you're you're standing in the river, you're thinking, or you're generally I'm moving to another spot and I pass a spot. I'm like, that right there, that's mm-hmm. good night water. Mm-hmm. And I'll find a landmark that I know that I'll be able to find at night, mm-hmm. big rock or something like that. So that I know mm-hmm. where I was standing when I took that picture. And I'll yeah. just snap a shot mm-hmm. of the bank. You know, and so yeah. I know what that water in front of me looks like when I'm standing exactly in that spot. Sure. And then what do you, get a really good image of, of what it's going to look like. What are you trying to capture in that picture? I kind of just want to see the, the intricacies of, of the bank primarily. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, 
I want to know, like, are there overhanging limbs here? I want to yeah. know, like, how far in the bank under that overlay? Because what happens at night is you get this wall of shadows. And that sure. it, you, you get a pretty good idea of what it looks like, but depth gets really thrown off. And right. so yeah. like, how far from this overhanging limb is the bank actually? Because a matter of two feet is a huge difference at night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so if it's like, if the bank is four feet past that overhanging limb, and I'm only casting two feet past that overhanging, that's a really big difference. And so having a good idea of depth, that's what I'm looking for at night with pictures, usually. Sure. I just, I just want to know what the bank looks like. Yeah, because we're so often fishing structure, and a lot of it's that right on the bank. Man, if you can get six inches off the bank instead of two feet off the bank, that's the difference between success and failure a lot of times. And you just got to know it. You got to know it like the back of your hand or... What else do you look for in those pictures? You said it. Those overhanging branches are probably my main things. And then, uh, yeah, the depth of the water, the the structure of the water. If there's a rock in there, if there's a piece of the undercut bank that kind of... Wherever that soft water is. And I want to know how wide that soft water is. Or let's say how far out from the bank that soft water seam is. And, you know, how fast it is. I would say this, as I'm choosing places to night fish, I have to know them. I do not do destination trips, you know, go out of state and go fishing yeah. and say, I'm going to night fish this too. Uh-uh. I have tried it. I'm not comfortable enough. And I don't mean comfortable like I'm afraid of it. I'm saying I'm not comfortable enough oh, to fish it well. I need to be around that structure to have success usually. So I get got to get under branches, um, around rocks and under literally under those undercuts sometimes and if i can't imagine it i'm not comfortable i can't fish it well and then my results are always poor i mean always and so that's why i take the pictures sometimes like you do yeah we've even at times you know we've fished certain sections of rivers often enough when at times we've found ourselves wading up higher in the stream or you know hiking up further than we thought we were the disorientation of being even in a slightly different location when we begin can throw you off so much that you fish really ineffectively because you're just used to the, I mean, we probably have like pretty intricate maps in our minds now about yeah. certain stretches of river yeah. that we could feel out with our fly line, you know, and we, we kind of just, we rely upon certain landmarks and certain feelings and like, okay, mm-hmm. after this, after this glide and tail out, then I know that yeah. this riffle's coming up and then it slides into this pool and you can just like, it just feels like a piano piece that you can play front to back. But if somebody interrupts you in the middle of it, you'll forget it, you know? So it's Beautiful. interesting how, yeah. how the memory works. It is. And a lot of times it's things I'm feeling with my feet that tell me yeah. where my, where I need to cast next. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, things will change too. Obviously branches will become lower or trees will fall in. And yeah, if I haven't been there for a couple of weeks, sometimes I'm surprised by a new log jam or whatnot. And I'll say, we're going to talk about lights, I'm sure, here in a little bit. But sometimes I'll, we should say, we keep our lights off. I don't know Mm. if people understand it, but yeah, Yeah. we're keeping our lights off. We have a headlamp ready to turn it on when we absolutely need it for other things, relocation. But as we're fishing, we are not fishing with a light on. That won't work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But very occasionally, I do what I call a bank flash. You guys do it, I know. Um, If I get disoriented, Mm -hmm. I will flash my headlamp on a piece that I'm, I need to cast into for oh, less than a second. Flash it on, off. Like on, yeah. off. Like that. Just once, really. On, yeah, yeah. off. Just so I can see, okay, there I am. I've actually gotten in that. My personal way of doing that is 
I shine my light up in the sky yeah. and I lower my head until it, the bottom of the beam yep. hits the edge of the bank and then I turn it off. Sure. And so I, I, I've found a way to, that I, at least I think doesn't hit the water as much with sure. direct light. And so it's, I, you know, whether that's really effective or not, I don't know. What do you do, right. Josh? We do the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. Dom, you told us about doing that before yeah. we ever were like, because I think I was like afraid that if I turn on the light, that screws up my success. Sure. You know, I will not do it. And then it you doesn't like, help it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then, and then you, but you made that point. You're like, I don't think it makes a big difference. I do it. And, and you, and so we started trying it and I would do it like, you know, maybe once per night, I would take the risk. Yeah. And then, you know, then at one point, a couple, couple years ago, we fished together and I saw how often you were willing to do it. And I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, well, he just caught a fish. So right. like it, it must not make that big of a difference. Yeah. And, if uh, it's real fast, I don't think yeah. it makes that big of a difference. But, but like your I said, mind it doesn't remembers that situation. image, you know, right. real right. well. And then you, you can fish. If, if I can't imagine it and if I'm hitting branches in there or if I, I'm not hitting branches at all, if I, I feel like, man, I'm not even close enough to the bank. Well, then if I'm not catching fish anyway, like it's almost like what's it going to hurt, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I've, the, yeah, trade off. Yeah, it is a trade off. At least I have that image now I can work on. And boy, I try to gather as much data as I can in that half second and then it's in there. I got yeah. it. And I already know the area anyway, but maybe a new tree did fall in or something's different about that water tonight and I, yeah. I wasn't ready for it. No, we've also seen, you know, having fished so many nights, you see either a floodlight on a house flashes on and off and it casts oh, yeah. a beam across the water momentarily, a car yeah. driving around the bend with its high beams on, mm-hmm. um, heat lightning or even just actual lightning overhead. And so Good you point. see these examples of a flash of light and gone. And clearly the fish don't all spook and scatter every single time that happens. And so, but right. I do think they're probably very sensitive to, was that too long? Is that a prolonged beam of light, you know? Right on. And do they then feel exposed versus was that just a flash and it's gone? For sure. That I mean, yeah, that's it. So we're talking about light and that kind of defines night fishing, right? Now everybody thinks of it as the absence of light, but boy, it's not. And we know that there are very, very few nights that you know, oh, I just can't see anything out there. I'm going to say I've been in true darkness, maybe only two or three nights. And those nights were uncomfortable because it was so hard to just pick up anything, any reference. You know, you could look up and still couldn't see the silhouette of the big trees. I mean, I was just, it was just almost black out there. Mm. Those were interesting nights and I did poorly, but those are rare. Boy, I've fished a lot of nights and I've only ever encountered it a few times. So let's talk about moonlight, starlight, and what I call city light. What, what do you think? What, what, what are the differences? What's your favorite? What's your favorite, first off? You kind of mentioned it as, as a rumor in the beginning that people assume that a new moon is the best. And I kind of actually do agree with that. I do really love a night where the moon really isn't present, but, the, right. but it's a clear sky. You know, And so you get some starlight. Yeah. So you get sort of a dim light. I like that a lot. Yeah, we're on the same page there. New moon, mm-hmm. obviously, is is no moon, right? Yeah. I actually have had plenty of people tell me like, oh, it's full moon. Aren't you going night fishing? No, no, it's actually the opposite. You know, I, yeah. full moon, I don't want it. But another thing is the moon moves so much faster than the yes, sun. Yes, right? it does. And yes. you can look, or if you've been out there night fishing, you go, yeah, at 1030, that moon goes over the hill anyway. It might be a full moon. Yeah. 
but it was up during the day and it's falling and falling and at 1030 it's dark and the moon's gone. So we, just because it's going to be full moon doesn't mean right. that, you know, it's going to be in your face. I, you know, at times I've almost felt okay with moonlight because I, I, sure. The other thing that I think that I change is that I almost fish like a daytime angler because there's always a shaded bank yeah. almost, you know, and right so on. we're already dealing with a limited set of ideas of where those fish are. But then yeah. if I just target that particularly shaded water on the banks, if anything, I have a better view of where I'm casting. And so I'll go out on my own limb a little bit and just say that I don't mind bright overhead moonlight and I haven't found that it's totally shut down my success. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, if I have my perfect night, it's with a, either a small moon or little little moonlight, I guess. Right. And so I'm with you on that. I mean, moonlight doesn't mean that I'm not going to have any success. Right. Well, it's like the sun. If the moon is right upstream and in the fish's eyes, yeah. I think for me that's bad. That's, yeah. that's, I don't like the sun like that either. Mm-hmm. And brown trout just don't seem to like that. And yeah, though, even even in that case, yeah, you can still find them tucked away under those banks or whatever. It's shade. It's summer when it's summertime. You have that that shade. Um, yeah, another thing is, it, especially early on, I did go out on and I enjoyed those moonlit nights, those brighter nights. Yeah, because it helped me adjust and get a feel for what nighttime fishing is like. Right. And then right. maybe the moon would go over the hill and be like, well, I'm adjusting. I'm adjusting. It gives you time. It, it gives you uh, a way to ease into it. I don't mind it either, as long as it's not in their eyes. I mean, there's a very practical reason, too, with the light in their eyes in terms yep. of what we're expecting them to see. You know, yeah. like we would in the daytime, a trout looking into the sun is going to yeah. have a maybe more difficult time or it'll take longer until they notice a nymph that's right in front of them because of that blinding light, you know. And the same with the moonlight, I think if we can get that moonlight behind them or, or even not there at all, the silhouette of our flies may have a, a more effective, you know, I, I, the trout may be more effective at finding and locating that fly mm-hmm. and then eating it. Yeah, so I'll mention that I think that the reason night fishing is successful in the first place is because the big, on the best nights, the big trout will move into the shallows and pick on the bait fish. That's the way I think of it. Because the bait fish don't often live out in the middle of the river most bait fish and crayfish small you know small trout and whatnot are on the edges in the ankle deep stuff in the calf deep stuff mm-hmm. yeah on the best nights those bigger trout take advantage of the uh, cover of darkness and go over there where you know the predators aren't going to pick on them and even though those big trout let's say if we are fishing we're trying to target the big ones let's say the big trout are like kind of the dominant species and yeah even during the day no eagle is even going to pick up that two-foot brown trout. I still, still think they have that wariness about, I'm sure, I, we yeah. know it, they still have that wariness mm-hmm. about them. They aren't going to go into exposed places very often on a sunny day over there where the bait fish are. You know why? I think because they can do it at night. Yeah. And that's what we're looking to do is, is meet them on those terms. Yeah. And we've all caught larger fish with injuries from herons and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know and so they, they yeah. cer- there certainly is predation that i think that they do avoid by by doing that at night and something about the bait fish seems to activate more at night too like yes, the activity they, of bait fish sure, sure seems to activate more at night yeah if you if you just turn on your light as you're walking along the river at night you're going to see a lot more activity than you do if you're walking along the yeah. bank in and the frogs and crayfish oh absolutely and mice frogs and, right 
That's a fantastic point. Yeah. Those motivation That's what pieces. Happens. It feels like the night is like its own ecosystem that like comes mm-hmm. alive when the lights go out. And I I think that's a been a fun thing that you and I have noticed, Josh, mm-hmm. is like yeah. exploring a little bit of that on the banks. It's just been fun to kind of solidify for us that the food source is there that's luring these fish into those locations. Yeah. And that food source gets more active. Absolutely. At night. Because yeah. I think they're spending most of their day, if you take a crayfish, most of the daytime they're spending kind of hiding out. Sure, you're going to see them once in a while, especially when you walk through the shallows, yeah. they spook. Boy, at night, like you said, Josh, uh, man, you turn your lights on, you put your light on a piece of water that's uh, calf deep, and man, they're just bang, 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 just everywhere, everywhere. just darting yeah. around everywhere, especially in the summertime, you know, and there we yeah. are again. But I think on the high moonlit nights, I don't see that quite as much. And I'll say too, when there's a strong influence of city light, if you're right in town, or even if you have the lights of town on the horizon, and then you have that, those lights reflecting into the clouds, it depends on how bright that is. That does change things. It changes things for us. I think it changes things for the bait fish, which is a great point, Josh. Yeah. I think it changes things for the trout as well. I think that's a cool point. That, I mean, that's like a bit of a new thought for me that those mm-hmm. nights with the bright moonlight, there could be even a secondary reason why the, the action is slower along the banks. And it could be because the relative exposed nature of the bait fish kind yeah. of drives them into more retreated locations, which is which then obviously leads the fish away as well. So that's actually yeah, like pretty, that. pretty interesting. It is, right? I like, see, we're talking about night fishing. We're coming up with new ideas. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. That's right. Because nobody has the answers. You just that's have right. some experience and some theory. <laughs> there is a certain element of like city light that is helpful, I think. Sure. It's, it's when it gets a lot stronger than a clear night without the moon would be. Because I think that that's the, that's the ideal situation is the amount of light that the stars give off. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you get this real hazy night and there's no cities around, then you've got a lot of darkness that's really kind of yeah. tough to overcome and tough for your eyes to adjust to. Yeah. But if there's just the smallest amount of light, so on an overcast night, I'd prefer that there is some ambient light rather than, than none, just miles yeah. away from anything. Josh and I were commiserating about how the day after we night fish, our eyes are always blood. <laughs> our eyes are always bloodshot because we're staring so intently. Yeah, at a your bank eyes are wide open. See that yeah. we're like. <laughs> That's a good point. Just dries them out because I, I, I won't blink. Yeah. My contact, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've seriously noticed yourself. that my yeah my contacts will kind of dry out on night fishing yeah. nights. Absolutely, yeah. it's funny. Well, as far as city lights go, I'm just talking about even small towns, you know, one of our favorite rivers runs right through town mm-hmm. and there's, it's lit up all the way through town. I mean, they even have lights on the river because yeah. there's a walkway there. And I've had people say, oh, I was night fishing. I'm like, oh, where'd you go? Well, it's down there right in town where they have that walkway. I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm not saying it's not night fishing, but to us, that's not really night fishing, right? We're trying yeah. to get out there away from things, first of all, mm-hmm. and- I don't want the light. I find, I guess what we're saying here, we all find that the kind of the darker, the better. You do get that more natural reaction from the trout. Maybe it is because of the more natural reaction from the bait fish. Yeah. Those things are important. Less light, mm-hmm. usually better. So what about our own lights? What about our headlights, flashlights, and then glow in the dark stuff? Hit on that, guys. The artificial stuff we got to bring out there with us. If you get out to a night fishing trip, 
and realize yeah. you forgot your headlamp. That's pretty mm. devastating because I you're think done. that's like forget yeah, your waiters because yeah. Yeah. there's so many roles that that plays. The least of which is when you're actually fishing, but to, right. to hike into the locations <laughs> that point. we often yeah to hike into locations or even just gearing up in the back of the truck or anything like that. It's so valuable yeah. to have that accessory light that I, it really is difficult to make that happen. I mean, you're walking with a even if you walk with it broken down, you're walking with a now five foot long rod um, Mm -hmm. that's typically geared up already because it's so difficult to completely gear up out in the field at night. Um, But you're walking with all your gear through woods, fields, whatever you're fishing um, in terms of habitat. And that's just a really difficult thing to do without any light whatsoever. But you're also trying to minimize your impact on your environment. And so as we get close to the river, get close to the stream, we're shutting down our lights to just red light typically or no light yeah, and right. and allowing our eyes to adjust a little bit. And sometimes we take a minute on the bank just kind of standing there and just sort of like talking about what the water looks like once we actually get yeah. there and letting yeah. our eyes adjust. But beyond yeah. that, you know, we might only use the light for those bank flashes briefly um, mm-hmm. and then a red light for re-rigging or tying on a new fly. You don't need anything more than red light for that. No, Agreed. Yeah. And I think likely we could probably all tie a fly on, especially with that 15 pound, 12, mm-hmm. 15 pound test that we're using, whatever, yeah. whatever it is. Without yeah. a light. I'm sure that we could tie it without a light, but it sure is helpful just to turn away from where you're fishing, flash a dim red light on and tie it on real quick and be wrecking the water. That's it. Avoid light on the water. Yeah. Whenever possible. possible. Yeah. The only thing, I guess, you know, we talked about the bank flash, but that's a rare thing, relatively rare thing that we do. And then once your eyes get adjusted, once once I walk in, I'm done with white light. I might be done with white light until the end of the night. Except for those bank flashes. Right, right on. Good point. Sometimes, honestly, I bank flash with a red light. Really? If it's yeah, a strong I do red that. Light. I actually do that. Yeah. Yeah. I keep my red light on really dim because so, <laughs> so my mind's got a dimmer on it. And so like I can right dim the red light and then that's the setting and it saves for the night. That's you know, good. And, and you can reset it, but I would like it to be... I mean, as dim as possible, because I want to just be able to see my hands, you know, when I'm tying. Tactical Fly Fisher was started in 2015 by fly fishing team USA angler Devin Olson, with a mission to bring American anglers the techniques and gear that dominate the international competitive fly fishing scene. While you may have no desire to compete, you can still benefit from the same strategies which competitive anglers use to make them more successful on the water. Whether you want to buy a urine rod, a stillwater fly line, or just some hooks and beads to fill your fly box, we've got you covered. And our teaching materials will help you learn how to use whatever products fill up your cart. Head on over to tacticalflyfisher.com and use the code TFF10 to get 10% off flies, fly tying supplies, or terminal tackle. Precision Fly and Tackle is a family-owned business with a passion for the outdoors and a sense of adventure. They are anglers who enjoy every moment spent on the water with family and friends. Precision Fly and Tackle carries the widest selection of Euro rods, reels, lines, leaders, flies, and accessories. From the beginner to the advanced angler, Precision Fly and Tackle can outfit every angler, no matter the budget. Visit them online at precisionflyandtackle.com. Then use code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your order. Gear up with Precision Fly and Tackle for your next adventure. So in the Trout Bitten article that I wrote 
the headlights, flashlights, and glow-in-the-dark stuff, I go over, you know, my favorite headlamp and why. And one of the reasons is it's dim. I don't want the brightest light out there. And that's a great point, Josh. I don't want the even the brightest red light I can find. No, because it then hurts your vision. You turn the red light off and you feel yeah. blind again. So we're mm-hmm. actually looking for a dim headlamp. And yeah, if it can also go super bright maybe for the walkout, that's cool too. But I also then keep in my pocket just a regular flashlight. And I use that flashlight for charging up some glow-in-the-dark stuff, um, which helps in fishing, um, fishing tactics. And yeah. I use that flashlight sometimes for the walkout or relocating or especially then for kind of spotting those shallows to see what's going on with those bait fish. Or maybe when you're relocating, if you're going 200 miles, <laughs> try that again. If you're going <laughs> 200 yards upstream, you know, I might flash that bank a couple times, just those shallows to see our big trout sitting in this, uh, in the sides. They don't do it every night. I said on the good nights, they go over there and pick on the bait fish. Plenty of nights. They just don't seem to be in the shallows mm. either yet, or they're not going to do it at all. And then my tactics may be very different. Anyway, that's why I use the flashlight. Yeah. So another, another thing that you mentioned is for charging stuff. Yeah. The glow in the dark. Yeah. I guess two years ago, we actually switched from using like our headlamps or a flashlight yeah. like that to using a decently strong like UV tying lights. Yeah. And we found that you can just really just, we're using glow in the dark line and, and sometimes glow in the dark indicators. Yeah. You know, we've I've even tried like glow in the dark putty, you know. I know. Yeah. I'll, I'll say it. I don't, I didn't like it at all. It's hard but, to find it. Yeah. Not big enough. Yeah. I even tried painting my face with glow-in-the-dark paint, but that didn't work either. <laughs> it was spooky. Yeah. <laughs> it was too spooky. But man, the, the UV Josh. light works really well yeah. for yeah. charging charging quick line yeah. quickly or indicators quickly. Like it really is. You can you can turn it on in your hand in a fist, yeah. and you can slide the line through that fist. Yeah, right. it's like pulling out a lightsaber. I mean, it just comes out like shining. Glowing. You know. Yeah. So our buddy Sloop is going to make it into this podcast too. And I'll mention that Sloop gave me a glow-in-the-dark line and it changed my uh, fishing, mm. my night fishing life. Yeah, He just had found it in a like a clearance bin for like 10 bucks. He, and he said, you night fish, right? Try this out. I didn't even try it right away. But as soon as I did, I went, oh, there we go. Because I used to paint stuff. Uh, I was yeah. glow-in-the-dark paint. And I was trying everything. I knew I needed some kind of visual aid out there or else you just kind of cast and blind. And if you can do that and make it work, great. But I, oh, it's so much better with a glow-in-the-dark line. Uh, a couple companies make them. They're all good. I don't charge the whole thing. I don't no, care if the whole thing is charged. Right? If last the last foot and a half, two feet. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I go like four feet, sometimes yeah. even six feet of okay. the line I want to be charged. I like yeah. to see if I have a bow in the line or whatnot. Oh, that's, sure. a good, that's a good point. I go short too. It's like, yeah. I mean, maybe just a foot, just because I know that we're using seven it to feet past know that how is, far. Yeah, how far away our fly is, I think. Right. More and you so, know you have but, a six, seven, eight foot leader, whatever it is. Yeah. You right. know where you kind of know where your fly is there. Yeah. Well, not kinda. You very much yeah, know yeah. where your fly is then. Yep. And when I night fish, uh when I when I nymph at night, oh, I call it a night cider. And so I take the uh the running line portion of the back end of a weight forward, glow in the dark fly line, twenty inches of that, I tie nail knots on the end, and yep. basically I put it right in my leader where a cider normally would be. Yeah. And yeah. It's heavier than a normal yeah. cider. Yeah, it causes a little bit of sag. Sure, but, but mm. you can also put on big flies at night to right nymph with right if here. you want to. <laughs> Josh is yeah. holding up his night cider. That's nice. <laughs> so I use that a fair yeah. amount. We talk about the mono rig a lot. And yeah, I will do night nymphing. We're going to get into mm-hmm. tactics here in, in just a little bit. But yeah, that's 
a glow-in-the-dark thing that once again I use the uh, light to charge it up. You can do the UV light, like I know both of you guys do that. I've taken yeah. them out. I kind of go back and forth on that. Again, like I don't really want it. I don't even even the glow-in-the-dark line. Most nights I don't even want it to be really bright. I will say if I'm you know near city light or it's a moonlit night, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's when you need a really charged up yeah. glow-in-the-dark piece. Or if you're yeah. dealing with backlight. You know, nice, good point. Yeah, right on. Street lights, yep. floodlights, whatever it might be. But on be. those dark nights, man, it almost like hurts your night vision if you have a really yeah, gl- a, a, a bright lightsaber out there. Yeah. And it holds a charge for what, guys? 15, 20 minutes? Really yeah. good. I probably recharge it every five to 10. Do you? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm just doing that tip portion. So I think it's sure. easier to lose sight of the whole thing more quickly. But it definitely stays bright enough to see for a long time. For sure. So yes. there, there comes a point where if you feel like you're working to know where it's at, then it's time. And I will say, I'll address this real quickly, that I thought, okay, I bet this might help me, but I bet it's going to spook fish. I don't know that it does. I don't know that I've, have, that I've had nights where I go, man, I, this glow in the dark line really seems to turn them off if it does at all the trade-off is worth it because there you go good point it is kind of interesting too how much your glow in the dark bug life there is at night and i think Mm -hmm. obviously some of it's just the fireflies that we'll see but uh, like there are seems like a decent number of things on the banks glowing (laughs) and other insects that might emit some iridescence and or not iridescence but actual night yeah. glow oh yeah you see of, that all the time right? it's like wait was that were those eyes that my light right. wait i don't have a light on so it can't be what were those right i know and you're like it's it wasn't fireflies or something there, there are certainly right. things glowing out there i'm not sure right. what they are but but i think it's sort of a <laughs> chupacabra we'll get into that with the fear yeah. element <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's for sure yeah yeah so uh let's move into tactics a little bit mm. you know boy we don't have time to you know really dig deep um no. we're going to I'm sure we're talking about it already. We're going to do a full podcast series, tactical series, where we try to do five, six, eight, or maybe 10 episodes mm-hmm. on night fishing. It'll be about a half hour long. We'll probably go through almost all of these. We're just trying to breeze through them, give a bit of a plan or maybe a path forward to kind of get into some things. In general, I group tactics into either you're drifting or you're swinging. Mm. To me, swinging flies is against the current. Usually it's casting across and letting them swing downstream, down and across. Great. If the fly has tension and it's, it's against the current, that to me is swinging the flies. And drifting is the opposite, where I'm drifting with the current. I cast upstream or up and across, and the current is pushing the flies back toward me. Rather than the current pulling the flies away from me, which is swinging, the current is now pushing the flies toward me, and that's drifting. I'm calling it drifting, though, because it's not necessarily dead drifting. In this case, to me, I'm just saying anything that is coming back downstream toward me even if it has some tension on it and it's crossing seams a little bit that's drifting down and going the other way is, is swinging and some mm-hmm. <laughs> some nights it's drifting that works and it's some nights it's uh the opposite swinging yeah. strategies right yeah i think when we started night fishing i think i was more of a hundred percent drifting or at least a good amount mm. of drifting i wouldn't Ye- say hundred percent but i've certainly learned to recheck the swinging presentation multiple times yeah. throughout the night because I've found fish on nights where there other, otherwise weren't fish that seemed to be active, that seemed to be turned on by that swing mm-hmm. um, and take on the swing or just after the swing. 
that may have been following the fly up until that point or might have just seen the flash of movement as it swung and were attracted to it. And you can drift and swing both on top and underneath. These are just directions Mm. and tension directions, I guess, of the flies. I think Josh and I often think like, are we starting the night on top or underneath? Mm-hmm. And then we also will compare like, are we, are we, is it an active retrieve from a drifted right. position or is nice. it more of a passive kind of like they took it on the pause or they took it in a passive swing um, as the fly just swung out in the current? Um, nice. And then was it on the bank or was it in the middle or was it kind of in between the two? What kind of water type was it in? There you go. As we kind of like compare, yeah, what fish we're catching, that the, the tactics are a big part of it for us. For sure. And maybe it's important to mention that very rarely are we starting a night off. Maybe never are we starting with like a nymph presentation. I don't know that we've actually mentioned that. We're, we're, yeah. this, this is usually a streamer or wet fly, at least to start, because we see a lot of success with that at night. Or and up some, top or surface pattern. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Good point. Some, sometimes it, it, it does take actually switching over. Right on. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I'd say about that, there were months at a time where I would just focus on. I was trying to develop a, nymph, a night nymphing yeah. game. So I'd say that's all I'm going to do tonight. And I suppose that in the winter, or let's say in the colder months, I have more faith in a nymphing presentation. Um, not always, not always, but eh. There's sometimes, yeah, I'm just saying there's sometimes I'll start yeah, with a nymphing yeah. presentation, but I'll say I do it so much during the day. I nymph so much during the day. Basically, I try to get dead drifts all the time yeah. during the day, unless I'm fishing streamers. Whether mm-hmm. it's up top with a dead drift or nymphs underneath, mostly a dead drift. When I'm night fishing, I like to do something different. And there's this. If you swing flies, like think of a wet fly swing, cast across, let it swing down. That is arguably the easiest way to get into it. Choose some big wet flies, swing them, see what happens. Yep. Cover yeah. some water, wade downstream. I don't think there's any anything easier than doing that. And when you are night fishing, don't make it hard at first. Yeah, you know? that's a good point. I, yeah, I think that's why, let's say most of the stuff you read is going to tell you to do that. Swing yeah. wet flies downstream or, you know, swing mouse patterns. And, you know, that'll work too. Yeah. What about, what about fly types then, right? That we're kind of branching into that. I think fly types for us, have changed a little bit mm. out of necessity. We found yeah. early on in night fishing that there was a difference between getting strikes and getting hookups on flies. Oh, and, yeah. and so we found that certain patterns that maybe were more popularly used, um, so particularly mice. I mean, we we started yeah. kind of just being like, hey, let's go mousing. Let's fish mice at night. That's what people do. And yeah. we, we had a lot of um, attention drawn to those flies a lot of interactions a lot of interactions we called them we kind of started to break down our nights between like hit strikes splashes misses whatever kind of and then hookups and we had a lot of strikes and a lot of you know misses and very few hookups um so it was really exciting and gave us a lot of like adrenaline rushes but we quickly realized that this was a very ineffective inefficient way to fish and so we started trying to kind of i don't know we we started to tie flies on our benches that we thought might provide for us some of the the benefits of the the surface aspects of the mice and yet have a more yeah. effective way that the fish could get that in their mouth and and maybe 
um, just like either hook positions, sizes of hook, like an articulated pattern, having yeah. a hook rearward in the fly as well as near the head. And I don't know. I think we often, we're probably 80% of the time that we're out there at night, we're using something that that is a little bit of a hybrid between a traditional mouse and then like a streamer um, that feels like it gives us a little bit of the best of both worlds. Right on. We covered a lot of that in the mouse emerger mm-hmm. episode. We, we yeah, say that now like, yeah. like we're serious about it, but right. it was a joke at first when we said a mouse emerger. <laughs> well, like you said, the surface mouse just got so many hits. It was too big of an ask for the, even the biggest <laughs> fish in the river to come yeah. all the way up to eat it on right. the first hit too, you know? And, like, and break yeah. water, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And so while they're fun, I think a lot of people are intrigued by that. But man, they're all over this. Yeah, okay. Do it for five nights. Let me know how many hookups, actual right. hookups you get and not right. foul hooked, yeah. you know? And yeah. absolutely, absolutely. I've caught, I've caught good fish that did yeah. break the surface, as you said. Sure, yeah. it happens. But yeah, we started, we all started here to try to do, yeah. try to do something better. Uh, not ask quite as much. Give them more of something to eat, a little easier eat. Anyway, right. we detail that pretty well on the yeah. Mouse Emerger episode, episode three, season one. And yeah, I have articles on the Trout Pitten website about it. So let's say there's, let's just run through fly yeah. types. So let's say there's the pure mouse, like just yeah. pure surface pattern. Yeah. It doesn't I even always have, to be have them in my box. Yeah. Right and on. I'll always Same. use them in rotation because I Same. still catch good fish on them. Yep. They make a great wake on the yep. surface, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's an attractive thing. I think that's why trout are, yeah. you know, unsinkable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They yep. give you a really yeah. good idea on whether the fish are looking up that night. Sure thing. You know? Yep. And yeah, that's there's probably Josh. nothing more exciting than a mouse yeah. eating yeah. like a just bang. Yeah. That's it. That might be the biggest adrenaline rush in, <laughs> in the fly fishing that we do anyway. Yeah. That, that is it. And that is exciting. Sure. Um, so pure surface pattern. Yeah. Whatever that pattern is. And then we're doing this mouse emerger concept, which mm-hmm. as you said, you kind of have part of the fly underneath or maybe even most of the fly underneath. And yet, oh, for me, there's still something that's yeah. on the surface, I'm going to say, or at least barely on the surface. There's still some wake involved. Yeah. If you've ever seen a muskrat swim across the water, it's like that. Um, it's got their see like the top of its head. There right. you go. And all of the rest of its body is underneath, right? And there are very much different degrees. Mm-hmm. If we have a deer hair head, sometimes I'll put paste on that head to keep it kind of mm-hmm. floating. I know you guys do that. And yeah. so how much of a wake do you want? How much of that fly do you want to be available underneath, you know? Yeah. I love it too. That's become my favorite uh, fly style. Yeah. And then, yeah, well, we have streamers and you can mm-hmm. ride really yeah. light streamers. I, run, I, I use one I call a rogue. We've addressed that. Um, yeah. And that's underneath. That's not trying to be on the surface, it, but it's ooh, it's light and it's, it's only in the first six inches of the water column, I'll say. Hmm. Of course, you can keep going lower with streamers yeah. that are, let's say, weighted. Ride them in the middle. Uh, yeah. You know, you could put, you could put um, split shot there and just what do whatever you want to get yeah. those streamer patterns down. And then, of course, you can ride your wet flies at all kinds of different levels. There's yeah. the George Harvey night fly that we all use um, in, in, in rotation. The pushers. Right? The yeah. pushers. Thank you. Yeah. And then nymphs. Down low. And yeah, you can yeah. use small nymphs, but I don't. The smallest nymph I use is like a size 10 stonefly. Most mm-hmm. of them are bigger. And really yeah. when I say nymphs, what I'm usually doing is some kind of bugger yeah. uh, variation. And um, I, but, but I will nymph it. So those are the kind of yeah. fly types. Did I miss anything? No. Nope. No, I think that's good. And I think within that grouping, there's ones that we probably want to spend more time figuring out. Right on. What's your favorite? 
I think, I mean, the mouse yeah, emerger, mouse emerger. I think, is my favorite. Yeah, we've yeah. just gotten to know it so well. So it's a, it feels like your favorite arrow in the quiver. Um, yeah, but there's a reason too. I mean, it yeah. produces, yeah. right? Yeah, it produces, and it gives yeah. so much versatility. Um, mm, yeah, which is which is great because it lets us kind of do different things with it. You guys call it the pen dragon, right? And I love that. We did. I have people yeah. ask me all the time, "Hey, is there a pen dragon pattern on trout bitten? Is there a recipe for that?" I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> it's kind of the se- kind of the guy's little secret yeah, yeah. semi-secret but i don't know um, we, get, we get messages sometimes right yeah. i'm sure you do yeah. yeah do you uh but josh like sometimes you take that pen dragon and you put split shot in front of it and get it down under for sure right yeah and so mm-hmm. again uh trevor you said things are it can be so versatile and sometimes hand. i tie in a piece of foam you know so the tail really does hang down but the head mm-hmm. rides high you know absolutely just yeah. to give it that buoyancy without yeah. paste or anything like that yeah. And then I, I will say too, one more thing about fly types. Um, I'll run a small fly with a large fly. And so maybe mm-hmm. I do have a pen dragon or what I call a bad mother on the point. And I will say I used to trail them. I thought, well, heck, if they're going for this, uh, this mouse pattern, but they won't eat it, well, then I'll give them something behind that maybe they will eat, you know, the bait and switch kind of thing. We do a yeah. lot of this during the day. And I, honestly, I just kept foul hooking fish with a small fly and I didn't like that nobody would and it didn't really matter even if I put it 30 inches back I was still foul hooking fish way too Mm. often didn't like it so I started running it on a tag the smaller fly on a tag 20 24 30 inches up and I'm still stunned by how often sometimes the biggest trout of the season even will eat a size six wet fly which is pretty small Mm. (laughs) for a night fly right yeah, and there it is, and so I usually put smaller things up top on my tag, and almost yeah. always, I mean, yeah, ninety percent of the time, I'm running two flies, the bigger one on the point, and something on that tag. It's like it doesn't do any damage; it doesn't hurt me, it doesn't hurt my drift. Even with like a mouse pattern, I don't think it matters. No, right, 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 right. It's not gonna drag that mouse under. No, yeah. And then you can just kind of dangle it and maybe dap it. I yeah. can't really see it happening, but I, boy, I get some vicious strikes on that wet fly when it seems like maybe it was almost almost just just barely touching the water mm-hmm. you know again i can kind of see the angle that my leader was at because i can see the bow in that yeah. in that glowing fly line there's a lot to it right it's fun yeah yeah there is it's interesting reading some of the older books and things written on night fishing and how much they used wet flies um, yeah it certainly makes me want to at some point feel like I've mastered that a little bit more or maybe find it as a technique to utilize more on those slower nights. Um, and even in switching water types, you know, we've been out yep. nights this year where there's a lot of hatching bug activity. Um, yeah. and, and the, the activity for us has been slow in the water type that we're fishing and on the banks. And I think on those nights, they're probably, focused on riffles and you know faster water where the bugs are emerging and so it mm, uh, nice i would i would like to carry over some wet fly swinging kind of techniques into that type, water type on those nights if i could that's kind of a good point right there just running through the fly types and as i'm thinking about it uh i don't use nymphs near the bank very much mm-hmm, but yeah. if i find that trout aren't in those locations that i expect them to be like we've talked about where they should be over there picking on the bait yeah. fish in the shallower and slower water. Um, then I'll go ahead right back into the stuff I would be nymphing during the day and I will go ahead and nymph that. Yeah. yeah. You guys, I'm sure do the same. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'll fish streamers at medium depth, you know, through some knee deep or thigh deep or even belt deep water. 
um, yeah. just to kind of see what will happen. I'll swing them and I'll drift them, different things. I am right in line with you guys there of that it's sort of bank approach usually with the mousy merger being my favorite because it does seem to produce the most yeah, and often the biggest trout. And it is the most fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you it get is. some really, you know, and great its conversion spikes. rates great. Yeah, yeah, of, it's secure. A lot of secure hookups. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but it's not all I do. But no. that conversion rate, I will say, that's gotten a lot better for me once I kind of, oh, once I started doing what I call a slow slide and kind of understanding when to strike too, and you let them take it a little bit. That's kind of its whole a whole for subject sure. right there. Yeah, we could but, talk about just hook sets for a long time. I know. Yeah. 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 That's a big mystery out there. That is another thing we'll talk about when we get together, right? I mean, were they were they tapping it before they hit it? Or were they just bam, just yeah. eating it? Aggressive. Yeah. yeah. That's neat. Hey, what else on uh, water types, guys? Trevor, you'd agree. A lot of times we look for really, really great prime lies in the day. And we just look for the soft stuff that's around it. You know, that's a nice way to easy put it. banks because like if it's not close, like I don't think it, I don't think a big trout is traveling 50 yards upstream very often, yeah. not very often to, mm. to feed. I think they just move certainly over. not like 500, you no, know, I yeah. just think that they move over, move a little down, move a little up, right on. you know? Yeah. Although I think we've noticed or we've observed some cruising trout behavior, but I, I think mm-hmm. that it's rare to, for us to feel like we hook up with that fish because who knows where they're <laughs> yeah. swimming. We had they we had one belly flop around us. Yeah, we had one just going berserk the other night. I mean, like fifty yards downstream, then fifty yards upstream, then a hundred yards upstream, just like cruising, wow, and yeah. just like being like acting berserk. Yeah, and it really seemed to be the same fish. Yeah, I've seen that, and there's every reason to believe it's the same fish. You can kind of mm-hmm. chart its progress. Oh man, it splashed yeah. over there. Oh right. no, yeah, yeah. You almost predict where it's gonna. Right, yep. and you never hear two splashes at once. It's always one. Right. Yeah, and it seems like it's. Cru- I mean, my explanation is the same as yours. It's uh, mm-hmm. cruising around and picking on. I don't know weak things that it finds in the system, yeah. or just chasing yeah. things and eating them, having fun and doing it. And it seems to be having fun. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, so Josh, that's a great way to put it. Uh, that's what I look for too. Where are those prime lies in the daytime? And then where would those trout move at night when they are under the cover of darkness and they yeah. do want to go get the easy meal with those active bait fish and crayfish and small trout, whatever. Yeah, you kind of predict those water types. I mean, we should acknowledge that lots of people tell you to fish the, the tailouts of a pool. And yeah, I have success there plenty of times. I think for me, I have more success on the banks, but I have to be committed to covering water. I am not just going to stand in one spot and hit one piece of bank for, well, hardly any length of time, you know, maybe five minutes, maybe more, but not much. But I, th- I think tailouts are often talked about because you can go, you could fish the middle of the pool, work your way down into the tailout and just be swinging down through that tailout and even th- imagine like sw- uh, swinging through the lip of the tailout and then stripping them flies back. You could do that for an hour, maybe two, and then you could go back up and do it again. And that's an easier way, arguably, to cover water. It's probably more, it is, it's more comfortable. Uh, Your footing is more predictable. Uh, You don't have to walk back, you know, through the woods afterward. Right. Um, I think it's a great way to do it too. And it's a good way to kind of get your feet wet, you know, target some tailouts, see what happens. Yeah. But the bank is where it's at. I think so. 
bank or you know some kind of structure but what other structures are as good as the bank right yeah Yeah. well and when you can combine the bank with a little bit of structure on the bank i feel like you know even if it's a little cove or a little like Mm. there's there's a lot of different features that i'll look for that kind of key me into maybe a particular area um an alcove or like a big rock along the bank that sort of has a soft cushion in front and behind it and yeah, especially if there's a cushion between the rock and the bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. While we're talking about banks, one thing yeah. that I think I just started to think about more when I noticed it this past week while yeah. out night fishing was there is a really, really, if you can't see very well, there's a very distinct sound that a fly makes when it's hitting water right against the bank than when it's hitting mm-hmm. the water a foot away from the bank. Like a mm-hmm. really distinct sound. It's a lot more hollow, and usually it's bouncing mm. off the the things that are hanging right over it. Mm. But I mean, that's just like a few. Like sometimes that's just like a small amount of leaves, grass, whatever it is up against that bank. There's like a there's a very hollow and echoey mm. sound that a fly makes <laughs> when it hits water three inches away from the bank, versus you won't you might not yeah. hear it hit the water at all when it's like out in just a foot out into the current. More it's a good sound, isn't it? Right. It really I know is. what you're saying. I think when it hits in the current, it doesn't make that sound. Well, mm-hmm. maybe because the current's moving and yeah. just doesn't splat the same way. When you get that splat or that sound you're talking about, it is hard to describe. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. You hit it in that softer water. Yep. And you could be fishing softer water and you're still going to get a different sound when you're mm. when that fly is tucking under something because it really does echo a little <laughs> bit. That's it, neat. I mean, it really does. I Like multiple times this week, I noticed that when I would get it, right underneath something you'd hear that you know like a little bit of an echo as <laughs> it you go. as you heard it off of two different locations as it hit and off of whatever it was below it's pretty like cool that. that is cool so our, our big trout always next to the banks right i mean how do we find our low if you really want to fish the big trout if that's what we're after i mean where are you going to find them is there something about locations that we're missing here as we're talking i think i mean i do think part of location for us is just that it's sort of like having a confidence fly. Like you commit to mm. fishing something you're confident in. And I nice. think we're fishing for a certain subset of trout that are on the banks. And because we're confident that there are some trout on the banks, we're willing to fish the banks hard. But I do think that there are big and good fish throughout the water in yes. different locations. And I do think that as I grow to be a more experienced night fisherman, I'd like to be as quick to change and cover those water types as I do in the daytime at night. And I think if we could do that, we would find even more fish, but it's really hard to do that effectively at night and switching is a little bit more cumbersome because of the light problem. And so for us, I think it's been most successful to, to really like key in on a particular water type and say, Hey, this strategy, these flies, this set of flies, we're going to fish this hard and we're mm-hmm. going to find the few fish that are in these types of locations and we're going to catch them. Sure. So I think, yeah. So I think, I don't think that we're fishing the only big fish that are there. I think mm-hmm. there are probably five times the number of big <laughs> fish there that we know. Yeah. And yet we're just, we're, we found something that we can reproduce. That's a great way to put it. It's a good strategy too. Don't try to do mm-hmm. too much. No. Nope. Do something that do, has produced and should produce again and that you know you're effective at. Yeah. Yeah. There's a spot out in the middle of one of our favorite rivers, and it's really out in the middle. Um, it's just a pothole, and the big fish hang out there in the daylight. And then, I, yeah, they're often there. My boy, I don't miss that spot. As I'm hitting the banks, mm-hmm. I go, well, before I get very close to this, I'm going to swing down through that or whatever, drift up through that. 
And I've caught, I can think of three good fish that I caught right out of that pothole or very, very close to it. Um, nice. And you might not see it until you step in it the first time. Yeah, right on. Yep. Yeah. And those are the kind of places, yeah, you get to know your river and not just in the daytime, but yeah, you get to know that river at night in a whole different way. That's a neat thing. Yeah. I mean, that's the mystery. That's a big part of the mystery out there. And all rivers have their mystery during the daylight. I mean, that's why we love fly fishing in general, right? Once you get to know a river well at night where you can, like I said, just navigate it by knowing landmarks, feeling it with your boots. Um, yeah. That's a different piece of the puzzle. And you've solved a different, not solved, but you've understood a different part of that mystery. That's special. Yeah. Do you guys fish the same spots a lot? Or do you, are you like big on just exploring something new every time you're out for locations? Oh, certainly not every time. No. We're, we're somewhat repetitive. Think, yeah. I think individually, when I fish alone, I fish different spots almost every time. Nice. Um, which I'm not sure why, but I, when we're together, we're usually fishing similar stretches. I think if we had more with with time, if we had the luxury of time, we would fish a lot more diversity of waters. And I think we will continue to do that moving forward. We I think one of the reasons we don't do that is we're already sifting through a myriad of variables to try yeah. to find like, okay, what is a real indication of success and what do we want yeah. to repeat? And if we continue to change locations at this stage, I feel like we'll lose something in our discovery process and in what we're keeping with us as like, hey, this was successful. But how do we know? We just switched water types. Was it just that hmm. it was a different water or river? There you go. It? Yeah. So I think, but I think in time we'll start rotating between a larger and larger number of, of waters. Yeah, that's perfect. And we, you say that, but we've, I mean, we've changed something about our location of fishing together every single time we've been out this year. Like yeah, whether it's true. like fishing extra hundred yards downstream or mm. walk up an extra, you know, that's a really good I mean, point. Yeah. Three hundred yards upstream yeah. than normal, you know, like we, or even fish the opposite bank that we usually fish. Opposite or, bank a lot. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We've done. Um, How much water do we cover at night? What about that? Average, just to average it out. Give me a number. I'd say four to five hundred yards. Same, four or five. Yeah. Yep. I was gonna say five hundred yeah. yards. Mm-hmm. That's a good bit. It is yeah. at night, yeah. yeah. And how long is yeah. the average yeah. night trip? I'm going to say for me, four hours. Four, yeah, four yeah, to five four hours. Is pretty, yeah, four to five hours yeah. is probably pretty good. Four or five, yeah. Yep. And we like dark, right? We're not talking dusk and whatever. Sometimes I'll start at dusk. Yeah. Well, interestingly yeah. enough, this past week, we, we ended up fishing like the water where we went was a little dirtier. Yeah. And it got pretty tough as it got darker. And, sure. and most of our action came right as it was getting dark. Mm-hmm. Something probably yeah. something with visibility, you know. Yeah, the water got pretty. Oh yeah, chocolatey. It was, yeah, it was, and, um, and that's tough. But the the success that we did have came early, in the early night. when it was light. Should mention that quickly too that I don't like fishing. I know none of us fish like fishing muddy water at night. I basically don't mm-hmm. do it anymore. I've tried it. Yeah. Dirty water, even like really dirty, yeah, that's pushing it. Yeah, I've had some times, some good times right after or even during thunderstorms where it is getting dirty. Um, yeah. That can be pretty good or it can be bad because it's night yeah. fishing. And we like it low too. Yeah, right? We like it low and clear. For me, the lower and clearer, the better at night yeah. for me. You mentioned at the beginning that some of these rivers that we're talking about are like max flows of 700 maybe yeah. feet per second. But we're like looking for them to get down to, to 170, One, 220. Absolutely. You know, Thanks. Like That's a good point. Nice and low. 
Are you guys scared out there? <laughs> yes. Were you scared at first? Or yes, you... I'm very, I'm very scared. <laughs> <laughs> I so I had, a couple weeks ago, I had like the nightmare happen where something huge hits your leg, mm-hmm. and it was a log, but it was mm-hmm. like halfway. You know, it wasn't on the ground. It wasn't on the surface. It was like halfway, yeah. which is like that real unsettling point oh, where it yeah. just like hits the yeah. crook of your knee, and it just like held yeah. there. Yeah. With the current, it keeps it's like, pressing into you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it scared. The- oh, I, I had a big, big, big fish go right through my legs last week. That was that weird. was. Uh-huh. So we were walking in really muddy water. Yep. And it, it was, man, it felt huge, but yep. it, it clearly wiggled and kind of like flipped, and went yep. right between my legs, and I felt it, and it was a large fish. I'll be honest, uh, big scary. old sucker. Yeah, I was gonna say. That. I think a lot of times they're suckers or carp. Yeah. Um, especially in some of the waters it. that I've had fish bump into me or go through your legs like you're talking about. Yeah. I've had them do that. Ooh, it's unsettling. Yeah, it is. It's it's very strange. Anything that bumps into you. I had a porcupine hit me one time. I've had, you know, like you're saying, logs and things like that. Um, I've, I haven't had many encounters with beaver. Yeah, there are things that scare us out there, right? But for me, mm-hmm. like fighting that fear, like you said, Josh, the whole thing is a real challenge, right? And I do like to fish alone because I I like that extra element to it. There's something I have enjoyed from the beginning about that challenge. It's like, yeah, I'm afraid. I'm going to go do it. I like this. And (laughs) eventually, though, really, seriously, it took seasons. And then I finally understood that there's like nothing happens out there. There's really nothing to be afraid of. And so I'm not afraid when I'm night fishing anymore. It's probably been, I mean, it's been years, many years since I've actually been afraid on the average night. But there are scary things that happen out there to you, like a log bumping into oh, you. Oh my goodness! And we've talked about it before, like deer jumping in, or you know, oh, yeah. there are there are just scary things or unsettling yeah. things. We've um, had coyotes right. on the bank, you know, yeah. and that's kind of disconcerting. Um, or even people. Didn't we mention that? Mm-hmm. And, it's probably the worst, honestly. Uh, that's oh, right. probably my least right. favorite thing to run into. Yeah, because it's rare that there's somebody out that late at night with good Shouldn't purposes be. in mind. That's right. Yeah. How late do you guys fish? Three. Later than four. Most. Later than me. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we've, I mean, I think we were victims or benefits of early success late at night in, in our first season of night fishing, mm-hmm. second seasons. I don't know. We've, we've often had success and caught some of our biggest fish yeah. between 2 and 3 a.m. And yeah. so if it's a decent night of fishing earlier, We'll probably push it if we can and try to either circle back to water we've covered yeah. or move to new water and, and hit it at those hours. Cause we, we have, we've, yeah, we certainly try to hit prime spots around those hours sometimes. When, yeah. I notice when I fish with other people and I have night fished with a couple other people, uh, I'm more willing to just, I, I think you, you kind of push each other. You're like, well, we can stay another hour. It's two. We can stay till three. Uh, come on, we can stay till four. You know, <laughs> it's always me, isn't it, Josh? Kind of is. Yeah. It also depends if I've traveled. <laughs> you know, if and I'm like, well, I'll try to make the most out of these miles. Right, if it, right. If it's a local yeah. stream, then I go. Well, all right. You know, I caught some fish. I'll get out of here. Boy, I couldn't catch anything. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Um, hey, one more thing. I think this is important: the rods and the lines. Right, everybody mm-hmm. wants to know about the gear. We haven't addressed it much because I'm going to say you can do all of the stuff we mentioned with probably any rod that you already fish. Now, <laughs> I wouldn't go out there with a two weight. Go ahead, <laughs> you'll get them in maybe, 
Anyway, what are your what are your favorite uh, real quick rods? Let's do rods. I'm fishing a nine foot six weight. Same, same mm-hmm. with me. Yeah, I'm fishing a ten foot six weight, which mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I would like to go back to a nine foot six weight. That extra foot, I don't think it gains me a whole lot, and it's a little bit cumbersome at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, my thinking was that I could hold more line off the water, and I could sure. animate the fly from further away. Um, and it it can do that, I think. Um, sure. But it's sure. also a little more cumbersome to cast, and I think just navigating some of the the casts that I want to make. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Yeah. I, I don't know if I like it. For me, I like being a little closer to my rod tip with that mm-hmm. one foot less. Nine foot six weight for me. It used to be an eight, eight and a half foot five weight because that's what I had. I'd beef it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you could push it to a do what you want. Fish a seven, sure. eight weight. I just we not we don't find the need for that. Right. Um, and I think it's regional, right? Right. Yeah, sure it is. Yeah. What's the biggest yeah. fly you guys are fishing? Like inches, inches long, let's say. Like a big like pendragon. Yeah, a big yeah. pendragon might might hit four and a half. Yep. I'd yeah. say four yep. to five inches is like my biggest. And yeah, it's got some air resistance to it. And that's why I'll go up to a six weight. It's not even for fighting big fish, but it kind of is too, because I want to get them in faster. Oh, yeah. Yep. I know you guys feel the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's even harder at night, I think, to control that fish from going downstream fast. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why. Well, oftentimes, I think that's because we're hooking it downstream of our position. Sometimes, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it so, happens pretty often. So, being able to really fight it upstream and then land it quickly is, is really important to us. Yeah. And that's why we beef up the tippets, too, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, mean, I think my leader is probably a total of six to seven feet. Yeah. And it starts out with 15 pound maxima yeah. or Cortland leader material. And then, that's typically ending in either anything from 10 to 15 pound tippet and then a tag that's 10 pound usually. Yeah. Yeah. I just go 20 pound for a few feet off my line and then four to five feet of 15 pound and my tag is 15 pound also. I'm similar. I'm somewhere in between you guys and it might be anywhere from six to eight feet depending on what I want to do. And like I said, I run two flies almost all the time. Um, I learned that if I was using that Harvey pusher and I don't care how well you tie it, mm. that line will twist if you don't have a beefy enough line. Um, yeah. you can't fish a Harvey pusher on three X. It will just yeah. twist. No, you even notice the difference between the type of, like I've used fluorocarbon tippet material, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. at 15 pound mm-hmm. and it gives you way less stiffness than, you know, Maxima. 15 pound and, mm-hmm. and that makes a difference even in terms of how much twisting you're getting it does um and it you balance that with like how much animation and the fly can occur with that limper tippet and i don't know i think there's some trade-offs there yeah and so i used i started using the bigger diameters almost out of necessity and that's mm-hmm. what harvey said was use like 15 pound maxima chameleon and i started doing that uh, then i'd switch flies and i'd be using the the 15 or the 12 pound and i'm like well it doesn't seem to make a difference. Trout are just not leader shy or tippet shy at night. No. And I'm feel, yeah. I feel really confident in saying that. And so I even yeah. fish my wet flies on like 10 pound. Yep. Um, and when I nymph, I'm going to say the lightest I ever go is like eight pound. It's like an eight pound, maybe a three X, usually two X would be about as light as I'd go when I'm nymphing mm-hmm. at night. Yeah. So that's our rods, our lines. I don't think reels matter. Oh. I really don't. I just don't. I agree. The glow in the dark lines, we I guess we mentioned that. 
right? Yeah. yeah. To all of us, that's really important. It is. There's really only a couple. There's really only a couple options out there in terms of glow yeah. in the dark line. Yeah, SA makes one, and, uh, and Rio, Rio makes one. Rio makes mm-hmm. one. Yeah, I don't have a favorite. Hey guys, do you have anything else? Anything we missed? Anything real important, or even kind of important? <laughs> I, I might mention just real quickly that I have a separate night fishing pack, and yeah. it's a smaller pack, and it's my it's one that I have only items on it that I'm going to use at night, and for me having a pared down set of items that I take out has led to me being able to access them all easily in the dark. And for me, that's valuable. And I know for some, it's probably not. And I know you guys do this differently, but for my particular purposes, I find some value in having a separate night fishing pack that I can have at the ready, kind of outfitted with the tippets that I'm going to use for nighttime and everything. Yeah. Yeah, That planning, that organization, you find your own style for that. Mm -hmm. And then even like you said, you'll go out there and decide, well, this is the tactic I want to do, and this is the water that I want to hit. Yes. For sure. I plan more at night than I do for my trips during the day. I always have my gear ready, whatever. But yeah, I'm more open-minded to changing plans during the day. Well, the fish don't want to do this, so I'll do that. Yeah. Um, But now at night, well, because I've ruined many a night by trying to be too versatile. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Last thing that I'd say is, it's hard. <laughs> it's the hardest yeah. thing I've ever really done. Well, not just on a fly rod, but just fishing in general. Yeah. So if a person's getting into this, just don't even expect to catch anything for a few times. And then you probably are. Mm. And you might really love it. You might hate it. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, it is tough. That's what's fun. And if you want solitude, there you go. You are not going to encounter very many night fishermen. For sure. I like it. Josh, one last word of wisdom. Sleep less. Fish more. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Craig, darling. I know it. One piece of advice for you. It's especially pertinent with uh, night fishing. It is very pertinent. You must accept less sleep. Yeah. All right, there it is. A trout bitten introduction to night fishing for trout. So we wade into the darkness for the experience. Because it's nothing like anything else that we do with a fishing rod. In fact, How we fish at night is often the polar opposite of the things we do all day long. Downstream instead of up. Fishing the bank instead of the middle. Bigger flies, thicker line, shorter leaders, larger trout, and quick powerful fights are standard fare. We learn to prepare for the unexpected, and we hold on tight when it happens. The mystery deepens with each trout and with each failure. We quickly realize the night game is an unwritten book with just a few clues and an infinite room for learning new things. Each exhilarating hit and every trout in the net is a unique reward because night fishing requires that you assemble the puzzle yourself. Ambition, then, is the fundamental characteristic of every good night fisher. All right, keep in mind, this introductory podcast is well supported by the Night Fishing for Trout category on the website. I started this episode with an excerpt from a Trout Bitten article. And I'll finish with this one from a favorite piece titled Back in Black, The Night Shift. Night fishing requires some sacrifice. High catch rates are exchanged for a few fish large enough to fill out the net. It's a hopeful bargain. Visual excitement is traded for the adrenaline rush, sustained by roaming among the unseen. And sleepless hours are swapped for calm, reclusive minutes apart from the otherwise resting world. River hours pass unusually in the darkness. Time moves as if accelerated, 
and by early morning an angler might wonder if he dreamed a portion of the adventure. In the end, all sacrifices are reckoned, and every night fisher estimates his worth with heavy eyes behind the headlights, wheels turning, confronting loneliness between the painted lines. Thanks for listening, everyone. Trevor, will you read us out? Remember, the Trout Bitten Project is a free resource for all anglers. The Trout Bitten website hosts over 800 articles with endless stories, commentaries, tactics, tips, and more. Find what you like through the top menu and through the search page. Navigate by way of the categories and tags, too. Be sure to find the Trout Bitten YouTube channel, currently featuring the Trout Bitten Tips series in collaborations with Wilds Media. These are short, useful, and unique tips for your fly fishing life. Thank you for listening to the Trout Bitten Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment, because it really helps. Until next time, friends, fish hard, enjoy the night, and find your life on the water. You guys scared out there? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yes, I'm very, I'm very scared. Yeah, I'm afraid. That right there. That's good night water. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Agreed. Yeah. Right, right on. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. I actually do that. Yeah. It was too spooky. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. I like it. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It was spooky. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Go back up and do it again. Yeah, for sure. That was weird. Yeah. I believe it. Uh Uh-huh. Ooh, it's unsettling. Man, it felt huge. Yeah. 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 Yeah.